We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Lots to get into today. A lot going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. As always, joining me today, we've got Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing? Welcome back onto the show. Yeah, it's nice to be on after the holidays. Uh, yeah, we're just getting right. We're you know we're still in the swing of things with the Lakers, and they're just trying to they're trying to improve day by day as a team. And it's you know hopefully we see it happening soon. Are you surprised that right now, 10 games without Anthony Davis, I'm counting the game where he went out halfway through against the Denver Nuggets, 10 yeah. games, they're 5-5. Five and five. 500 basketball without Anthony Davis. Maybe you can talk a little bit about you know the opponents during that stretch. But nonetheless, is that surprising to you? No AD and they're still you know treading water? It's, it's a little surprising to see them tread water um, because you know the way it's been the last couple of years is when he goes down, like, LeBron has been able to keep things afloat for some time, but like it, it tends to fall apart when he's out and it's kind of happening again, where LeBron is, is doing a whole lot of heavy lifting and I'm worried that it will fall apart at some point, you know, they've beaten, you know, who are the five, the the Nuggets win was, was super impressive. Um, But, you know, that was the game he got injured since then. It's the wins are against the magic the the Hawks who I mean we could talk about the Hawks they are falling apart mm-hmm. as a franchise the Hornets who aren't very good uh so it's like it's a little tough but yeah yeah so those are their wins with you know none of those are super impressive none of those jump off the page but you know one thing we always say about the Lakers when uh since they've been not very good the last couple of years is you have to win the games against the teams you are clearly better than and so I commend them for doing that and taking care of business in those games. And it makes the losses against the better teams sting a little less. And they actually dropped a game against the Hornets in that five and five stretch. So they, they played the Hornets twice. They won one and they lost one. I mean, that's and that's one of those winnable games where really you could say, man, they, they really should be six and four on this trip. But they found a way to lose to a, a Hornets team that's you know, not not great. Probably looking more at like you know blowing things up here, but nonetheless, five for five. I mean, you'll certainly take it. Uh, you mentioned LeBron is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. This is this blows my mind here. So LeBron, thirty four point six points. We round up thirty five points. This is over since Anthony Davis went down. Thirty five yep. points, fifty nine percent from the field. <laughs> He's getting to the line more. Seven point eight free throw attempts. That's up on his season averages. 
35.4 minutes. Le- the Lakers with LeBron on the floor are a plus seven per 100 possessions. LeBron off the floor, they're a minus 18 oh, per 100 possessions. Like I knew the number was going to be bad. I knew it was in the double digits. It still hurts to hear. That's that's insane. I mean, I know that when you do per 100, that's going to make it sound even bigger. But but nonetheless, still, like they, he is, he is carrying this team. Now he's getting some help from some players, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's carrying this team. But here's what really blows my mind, Ron. 26% from three. LeBron's three-point percentage during this stretch is actually dropping. It's down compared to his season average, compared to his career average. So despite how well he's playing, he's actually shooting very poorly from three. On a lot of attempts, over five attempts per game from three over the last 10 games, and yet he's still shooting 59% from the field. How do you do that? How do you shoot 59% from the field while you're shooting 26% from three on over five attempts per game. That is nuts. He's LeBron James, right? Like, uh, you know, we have two decades of proof that nothing should surprise us about what LeBron James can or can't do. And we can dig into this a little bit more, but I think the concern becomes, like, you know, he's he's 38 now. And mm-hmm. for the last couple of seasons, even, even during the 2020, the championship season, we saw this like and we saw it the, his for every year he's been with the Lakers, really um, there. There is a stretch of the regular season where he is unstoppable. He gets to the rim at will. He's getting to the line. He's converting. He is making everything happen. And then inevitably, a stretch of games will come where he just looks a little disconnected, mainly because it shouldn't be on a guy in his late 30s to carry mm-hmm. to carry a team every single night for 82 nights it, it shouldn't that shouldn't be on him so eventually i think we're going to see a bit of a regression in terms of his his production i think he's going to get fatigued at some point um and so i, I worry about what the lakers look like when that happens because anthony davis likely won't be back by the time that comes um, and again, it's not like a, I'm blaming LeBron thing. I, it, it's fully understandable that if you are putting the weight of an entire franchise on your shoulder for multiple weeks, eventually your shoulders are going to get tired. Mm-hmm. Like it makes perfect sense. And so I, I do worry what the Lakers look like when that happens. Um, but for now, you know, enjoy the show. Enjoy the show league wide, really, because we're seeing some all time performances pretty much every night to the point where LeBron averaging 35 feels low. So here's here's my concern with with LeBron. It's that yeah, fatigue might set in, but I'm worried about injury. You know, 30 35 minutes per game. And I almost we've talked about this before, but whenever a situation like this pops up, I go back to the Kobe Achilles season. And Kobe putting the team on his back and doing way more than he should have and then the season yeah. ends when he tears his Achilles. And you just it, it's hard to not kind of have like PTSD from from that, right? And go back to that. Um, so I think about that. I think about, you know, potentially injury occurring and, and things of that nature. If LeBron has to bear this burden for the, the remainder of the season, I mean, obviously we're hoping Anthony Davis will be back at some point. Maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a month. We, we don't know the, the exact timetable. AD himself said, you know, he's not going to put a timetable out there or anything like that. But nonetheless, we don't know how long Anthony Davis is going to be out there for. But big picture, I look at this. I say the question going into the season about AD was – can he be the bubble guy? That that bubble version of Anthony Davis, can he be that? You might even be able to argue that the guy we saw this year for this stretch was better. 
Now then yeah. he got then he got hurt. Okay, but but check the box, right? We know AD can be at that level again. Now then the question was LeBron. He's turned in 38. He just turned 38. He started the season kind of slow. People went, is this it? Did he just fall is off the cliff? Happening? Right? Is this is it is this yeah. the end here? No. LeBron has shown he can still perform at a high level. Check that box. Great. Now you know these things. Now the question for me, Ron, becomes how do you get number one into the playoffs and get there with these two guys healthy? Because I think they've both checked those boxes and shown they can be what the Lakers need them to be. But how do you get from point A from point B to point B without overtaxing LeBron and burning him out? Because I feel like that's the path we're heading down. The only thing we've done so far is we've checked the box that yes, he still can be that guy again. Now, how do you get to where you want to go without completely exhausting LeBron or potentially exposing him to injury to get there? Yeah. And I mean, look, he's LeBron had never suffered a major injury, one in which that forced him to miss more than 10 games in a row mm -hmm. until he got to the Lakers. And he's done it outside of the championship year. He's done it every year since. He's had an injury that has held him out for at least 10 games, maybe more. Uh, yeah, in a couple of cases, it was way more. Um, you know, so that is a real concern. Like, there's there's no doubt about it that having him play three quarters of every game, 36 minutes, is not a recipe for getting him to April healthy. But the flip side of that is, if he doesn't play 36 minutes a game, or he plays 36 minutes every other game, uh, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're, you're minus 18 when he's off the floor. Yeah, you're 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 yeah. going nowhere because you're awful when when he's not on the court and Anthony Davis is out for an extended period of time. So this is where like it's kind of ridiculous to do it in you know in uh, January on January 3rd, but like it's kind of where standings watch comes into play a little mm -hmm. bit. Like they're 13th in the Western Conference as we record this. Um, they will be 13th when this is published too, because they're not playing tonight. Um, they're they're 13th in the Western Conference. Like they are not. And yes, the 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 West is very smushed right now. Mm -hmm. So they're 13th. They're only a game and a half out of 10th. Yep. And they're four games out of sixth. That that feels that's very crunched together. Mm -hmm. But it's if it's taking a Herculean effort from LeBron just to be four games out of sixth. The, like that's a very very bad recipe um and one that is like very concerning for me moving forward so i think this is the point where lakers fans either watching this on the lakers nation youtube channel or listening to this on the lakers nation podcast on spotify apple podcast wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts right now are probably yelling or perhaps at this point just <laughs> incoherently babbling Make a trade, make the trade, make it like, like do something, right? I mean, this is, this is the, the point comments. where you say exactly these guys have what it takes. Do something to help them get there, Rob Palenka. Is that, is that ultimately where we land here? Like the Lakers, the, the end result needs to be that you do something to help them get to the playoffs healthy or, or what is it? Where, where do you fall in, in that situation? I mean, it's tough, right? Because on one hand, you're right. Like LeBron and AD have shown they can do this. Now go get them some help. The The flip side to that is who is the help and what is it going to cost to get them that help? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that if you're the Lakers, like if you're any team, realistically, like take, uh, take the Laker factor out of this equation. If you were in charge of a basketball team, 
And that basketball team was 13th in their conference, despite the fact that their two best players have played like when they've been in the lineup, they've been unbelievable. Like they're 13th despite that. Mm -hmm. If you're in charge of that team, do you then say, well, if I exhaust every last one of my tradable assets to help them, like, is that like that that'll vault them to championship contention? It's such a leap to go from 13th in the conference, you know, with the same exact record as the Oklahoma City Thunder to championship contention, given the assets that the Lakers have. And yes, they have two very valuable first round picks, but we've we know at this point, like there's been so many rumors over the last six months. We know the type of players that 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 those two picks are going to be capable of acquiring. Like your best case scenario is a Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic. And while those are all good options in a vacuum, it, it's hard if you were the GM of a 13th place team in the conference, do you look at DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic and say, yes, these are the missing pieces that will vault us from the same record as the Oklahoma City Thunder to the same record as the 22-16 and 16 Dallas Mavericks, who are in fourth right now. Uh-huh. I, it's a really hard task to it's it's like a hard thing to wrap your head around and it's like if you exhaust all those assets and the best it can get you is the play-in tournament and you're playing a one-game playoff with the current eight-seeded Phoenix Suns like <laughs> I don't know that that's going to go super well for you the flip side being I think that this is where emotion comes into play. And yes, there's a lot wrapped up in, up into this. Lakers fans don't want to go through another season like last season. Yeah, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to just watch the team go down in flames through the second half of the season or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but beyond that, you're watching greatness, right? Night in and night out for, for weeks now, right? First, we yeah. were watching AD. Great. Now we're watching LeBron. Great. We're watching top five production right now from superstar level players it's hard to watch that and watch the effort that they're putting in on a nightly basis and see that they don't quite have enough around them and not have that emotional response of oh my gosh help them someone please help it's like you're you're watching them struggle to keep their heads above water and you're holding on to that life preserver, Rob Palenka is standing there looking like Rob Lowe, and he's not throwing it in. And you're you're screaming, "Throw it in! Help these guys!" Right? Because you've got that emotional connection where you're saying, the, "You can't watch this night in and night out, and see what they're doing, and not feel that that need, that urgency, that desire to see these guys get the help that they actually need." And so I think that that puts more pressure on the front office to do something. I think it is emotional response. And I think from where you're coming from, yeah, it does. Makes sense. Like, are you really getting to championship contention? But at the same time, it's 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 difficult to see what these guys are doing right now and not think, well, yeah, if and- LeBron's at this level and AD's at this level and you get into a playoff series, are we are we sure we can count them out? Yeah, and you're right. Like the emotion of it cannot be cannot be like understated. Um, but to go back to your brilliant uh life preserver analogy, because I, I actually I like it. Um, the, like the non, like the non-emotional side in me, cause the emotional side gets what you're saying. The Laker fan in me gets what you're saying. Uh-huh. But then I think to myself, do we trust the life preserver that Rob Palinka is going to throw? Like, 
And, and is Rob Palinka's arm strong enough to get it? Is there? is is Rob Palinka <laughs> the guy you want throwing it? And do you trust what he's about to throw? Because yeah. you might think that, like, if if Rob Palinka does throw it, it's going to be this amazing, fully inflated, fantastic life preserver. But in reality, Rob Palinka chose to go with the life preserver that had a hole in it. <laughs> And that's not helping anybody. And now we don't have anything on the boat. Like, you see where the, like, I could take the analogy pretty far with you. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we can go for <laughs> Let's it. keep going. <laughs> but it, it just, it, it worries me a little bit thinking we have these two valuable assets and then a bunch of players that nobody really wants unless we attach the, the two valuable assets mm-hmm. to them. And I'm thinking with such a slim margin for error on these trades, is Rob Palinka the guy I want pulling the trigger on it? It, it? Do I want him throwing the life preserver? And do I trust his vision for what a good life preserver is versus a bad one? And the answer to that is no. And that's where I like get out of the emotional mindset of, please get LeBron and AD some help because I want them to have some help. I want them to play winning basketball. We were having way more fun when they were winning games, mm-hmm. I assure you. But from a from a like basketball GM perspective, it's hard to look at the Lakers and say, yeah, they're one or two moves away. Rob's going to throw the uh, the plank of wood from that Titanic movie. Yeah. Right? <laughs> save, <laughs> only going to save one of them. Only going to save save one of them. Right. Um, it will. But then that that begs the question, Ron, if you're not sure if you want Rob to be the guy throwing him. And look, we've heard whispers of this you know, around the NBA of. It might not be a Lakers tax, right, that, that we've heard so much about. It might be a Palenka tax. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, If you have concerns about Rob's decision-making, um, and we've heard you know rumblings of, of concerns from both within and, and without the Lakers about, about Rob and his abilities. Um, if you have concerns about that, what's changing this summer? Like, because that's that's really the alternative, right? We keep hearing, well, okay, if you don't do a do- move right now, what you're doing is you're keeping the powder dry. So this summer, you've got $30 million in cap space. You have three draft picks you now have access to because the pick from this year, probably the Pelicans pick, will be a player and not a pick. So therefore, you can trade it. Um, what makes you feel better about this summer or do you not? I mean, how do you factor that in? <laughs> well, you know, you know what happens if the Lakers go into the summer with 30 million in cap space and three tradable first round draft picks, you know what happens, right? 
Can you say the headline with me? The Los Angeles Lakers acquire Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards? Yeah, they, I mean, that, that could be it. That, that, could... that feels like where we would be heading. And But can you even do that? You would have to... If you don't have enough salary. Contracts, yeah. Lakers have other contracts on the books that you could trade. Like you could turn it into an like a like an Austin Reeves sign and trade. You could do. Oh, this is getting gross. Like, like there's ways to make it happen, and you and I both know that based on Rob Polinka's history, that's what's gonna happen, right? Mm. Going and going big star chasing. Yeah, it could. You're gonna go big fish hunting, and I don't know that there's a big fish that that uh, Rob Polinka likes better. Than Bradley Beal, I, I I don't know. What's the other one? Zach Levine, maybe. Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, yeah, those are those are probably the big two. More more oh, no. uh, score first guards that can't defend, like yeah. and have injury problems. Continuing to go with the big three model is essentially what you'd be doing there. Um, I, can, I I've looked at the Lakers cap situation. I've said I don't think they have enough. I don't think they have enough to do what they need to do this summer. And so I've been saying, well. You know, if you are the Lakers and you have opportunities to essentially do your shopping now um, on the trade market rather than wait until free agency and hope that you get the free agents that you want or hope the trade comes along that you want, uh, I'm open to doing that now uh, with the caveat that whatever trade you make now, it needs to be for players that will matter in the future just in case because you don't know for sure that whoever you get is going to get you to the playoffs or whatever. So if you go give up a bunch to get Boyan Bogdanovich, who's going to be 34 next year, you might be doing yourself a disservice if that's not enough to get you where you want to go this year. So you got to be careful with it and you got to add pieces that are, are young enough, which is much easier said than done, but young enough to be factors for the future if you're going to make that trade. But man, Ron, the way you put that, that sounds so ominous. Yeah. They're going to go out like... And and on a more like positive, like I can think of a more positive trade, but it requires the Lakers doing what they've neglected to do the last four years which is value the role player because yeah. they could go out right now and, and flip Patrick Beverly and a one first round pick for a Kyle Kuzma. They could do that. The wizards yep. are not in a position to win. Now Kyle Kuzma is an under can be an unrestricted free agent this year. He is a player option. Uh, they would, I think they would take uh, an unprotected first round pick um, in exchange for Kyle Kuzma. But the problem becomes, are the Lakers willing to pay Kyle Kuzma, a role player, a great role player, but a role player nonetheless, are they willing to pay him four years, $88 million this offseason? Mm -hmm. Because he's probably going to command at least $20 million a year. He'd be right to do it. He could even get $25 million a year. He is that level of player. And so the Lakers, to me, feel like a team that don't value role players enough. They've shown it over the past couple of years. And so if they're faced with, well, we could trade one first-round pick for Kuzma, who's a perfect fit on our roster. We know that because we won a championship with him playing a major role. But we would have to pay him 20 to $25 million over a long-term deal. I don't have that much faith that they would be willing to do that, given their track record. Would you rather play pay Kyle Kuzma, let's, just, let's keep it around number four years, $80 million. Would you rather give that deal to Kyle Kuzma, or would you rather owe Bradley Beal like Kuzma. 200, 200 million Kuzma. over the next Kuzma. Kuzma. Yeah, you don't, don't even finish the, the question. I don't, uh, even two, need the, I don't even need the number. I don't even need 200. It'd be, be just shy of 200 million over the next four years that he's got, including a player option. Barely needed the number. 
yeah, Kyle Kuzma, for yeah. sure. Same with Zach Levine, who's I would argue an even worse contract than Bradley Beal. I think he's owed, God, like two fifteen over the next five, or something, something insane, some number that should not be owed to Zach Levine. Bradley Beal is uh, it turns thirty in June, by the way. Turns thirty uh, in June, so you'd be getting him for his age. 31, 32, 33, and 34 season. Mm-hmm. He's a small guard that already has injury problems. Zach Levine is 27 currently. He will be uh, 28 in March. And he has four years and 167-ish million left. And knee issues on a leaper like him. Yeah, so give me Kyle Kuzma every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 100% of the time. And, you know, th- this just this goes back to the larger conversation of do you trust Rob Palinka? Because a smarter GM may have held on to like one or two middle, middle, mid tier salaries and maybe traded oh. a first round pick for Jeremy Grant, a guy we're, who fits on the roster. We're probably not worrying about a pick swap this year. Yeah. Right. I mean, when we go back to the AD trade, if you had somebody else negotiated that, like we said, you know, Polinka probably gave up a little bit too much to get it to like a pick swap is one of those things that it feels like just get thrown in just in order to get a deal done rather than, oh, did you make a fair value deal? We're probably sitting right now going, well, you know what? Do you really want to push LeBron and AD? Like they've got a pretty good draft spot right now, you know, like that's and that changes the whole dynamic of the season. Because if you if you don't overpay in that trade, you're sitting here in 2023 saying, Oh, well, you know, they're going to have a top 10 pick. So that's yeah. great. Like, let's go add a top 10 pick or trade a top 10 pick um, and and get a like a, a star, you know, a good star, uh, you know, not an aging, uh, aging injury prone star. And that's not to say the trade was bad or whatever for 80. They won a championship no. from this. That's not what I'm saying. But but well, nonetheless, that's the, that's the situation the Lakers are in, though. That's what they're faced with right now is trying to figure out what do you do um, on the, this trade front. And then again. If you're, this is what I keep trying to wrap my head around with Lakers fans keep saying, well, do a deal, do something now, help them, save them. But in order, you're also assuming, like you've said, you're assuming that that move right now is going to be the right move for the right player for the right price, despite ripping to shreds what this front office has done over the last two years. And rightfully so, rightfully so, but what what is it that makes us feel like well this next move is they're suddenly going to get this one right? I don't know that you can't actually make things worse, and so that's always my caution here. Like I do feel that I do feel like hey you need to do something probably you need to figure out some way to help these guys, but I'm worried that if we have the same decision making, the same thought process as what we've seen over the last year and a half now, you could wind up digging that hole that much deeper. Yeah, and and like. In my ideal world, like, I don't know, let, let's just say, you know, you and I are in charge and there's no Rob Palinka tax mm-hmm. and everyone's negotiating fairly. I think there's a world in which you could realistically flip Patrick Beverly and a first for Kyle Kuzma. And then you could flip Russell Westbrook and the other first for Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson, let's say. Okay. And I you think get a big two, trade exception there too. I think those are two realistic trades, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're not if you're not considering the fact that Rob Palenka always throws in extra for no reason and, and gets, and gets, you know, lost in negotiations because of that. I think those are reasonable prices for, for those types of deals. 
Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a team where it's LeBron, AD, uh, Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, Kyle Kuzma. All the wings. Formidable. Formidable. Yep. That's a team that can compete. I don't know if that's a championship, but that's like, at, to me, at least you're getting past the play-in and you have a really good shot to win a first-round series. Yeah. And then once you get into the second round, anything can happen. Right? Because yeah. you have LeBron and AD with good fitting players around him. Right. When you've got those guys. Absolutely. And so if there was a world where that was all available, then I would be all for it. Trade both picks because you're, you're making game changing moves. The problem is the way the league views Rob Palinka, they're not going to let him get away with making two good, smart no. asset, like asset saving moves. They don't, they don't want to be the team to finally not pull one over on, on Rob. Right. Yeah. You think, you know, the Spurs, you know, Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, that group, you think they're going to be the team that lets Rob Palenka off the hook? No. You think you think Tommy Shepard, who just got Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, and a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook, you think he's going to let him off the hook? No chance. Yeah. And so you've dug yourself such a hole that I think when I look at those standings and I say, yes, they're only a game and a half out of 10th, and they're four games out of sixth. But they're a game and a half out of tenth with LeBron and AD playing at like top five player levels at various points this season. That to me is 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 pretty strong evidence that they're they're a ways away from being contenders of any kind. My only retort would be they weren't playing top five level together. At the same time. That's the same thing. Like, and if you get if you got that, I think that's a, a game changer. But, but still, fair fair point, right? Um, and not to, not to. I mean, pour salt in the wound here. But go <laughs> back to do. the. That's what I go do back best. to the night before, media day. It's right there, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. All you got to do is you just got to say yes. You got to pick up the phone and you got to formally make the offer. Right? That's what we've heard. Just have to formally make the offer. Lakers knew, hey, if we offer Russ and both these picks unprotected, Indiana's going to say yes. They'll give us Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Um, the Lakers, from everything we've heard, got, got cold feet, decided not to do it. If we go back and we flip that and the Lakers say yes and they do it, where are the Lakers sitting right now? They're better. They're certainly mm -hmm. better. And, and, you know, we've had a lot of, uh, like, in the Lakers Nation group chat, We've had a ton of internal discussion about how much better. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, like our guy, Jeff Spiegel, like he thinks if they do that trade, they're a top five team in the West right now. Um, that's kind of been his take all season long. Right. I don't know that I have them there just because like injuries are still a problem with three of those four players. Mm -hmm. And the fourth is like a notoriously awful defender in Buddy Heald. Um so I still don't know where that puts them, but like I look at this Western conference and I say Phoenix is an eighth right now. Like they've had injury problems all year. Devin Booker is out for a significant amount of time right now. Phoenix is eighth right now. The Phoenix Suns who were in the NBA finals two years ago and were, you know, they had a, a, a meltdown of epic proportions against the Dallas Mavericks in game seven last year. Mm -hmm. But like they were one win away from reaching back to back conference finals. They're eighth right now. The reigning NBA champions are ninth right now. This is just a difficult conference. And Miles Turner and Buddy Heald make the Lakers better. 
but does it make them does it make them significantly better in a conference where the Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors are eight and nine? Well, I don't know. I guess the the question becomes: Does it flip enough losses to make them an above five hundred team right now? Maybe I, I would think probably. Yeah, like I would imagine. I could see them being in that, you know, 20 and 18, 21 and 18. Like, right. Which would put up like the, that, that eight, nine conversation right now. Yeah. Maybe but seven. is the eight, nine, is the seven, eight, nine conversation worth looking at your future and saying, oh my God, we don't have a draft. Like we don't have a tradable draft pick. We're going to have to wait until the day of the draft every year <laughs> for the next like four years until we can trade 2030 and 2032. Right. Like, or not 2030, it'd be 2031 and 2033. Like, we're going to have to wait three years for that to be available to us. So now we have to wait till the day of the draft to make any type of move for the next three, four years. It, it's really difficult. Now, I, I will say, you know, the reason why I want to get into this was, well, then you can imagine you're, you're a little bit more insulated against Anthony Davis' injury because you have Miles Turner's shot blocking on the floor to help you out with rim protection. But that said, you know, Thomas Bryant was a guy that I wanted to talk about on this show because while Miles Turner would certainly provide the shot blocking and Thomas Bryant simply does not. And I don't fault Thomas Bryant for that. That's not what you brought him onto the team for. That's not really part of his skill set. Rim protection wasn't his, that was Damian Jones job, right? And he's, he's not done it. Hasn't been available, has not been playable. So that's, I don't fault Thomas Bryant for that, but nonetheless, even though the Lakers didn't get, Miles Turner, and they are missing that rim protection that he could bring. I think Thomas Bryant has done a heck of a job with Anthony Davis being out. Um, Double-digit points in eight of the ten that AD has been out for. Double-digit rebounds in over half the games that there's been no AD. He is proving himself to be a force there as well. Uh, again, he's not everything you need in the middle because he's not protecting the rim for you. Teams are going right at him, but he's still providing enough to where you're saying, okay, you know what? There, there's a positive find that you got in free agency on a, a better minimum deal um, that's really helping out. And I think it's worth mentioning that even though you don't have Miles Turner's rim protection, it's not like you're getting zero out of the center. Actually, Thomas Bryant has done a pretty nice job in AD's absence. Yeah, yeah. And shout out to Thomas Bryant. I, you know, we, we talked a lot during the offseason. I was very excited about that signing um, because I felt that if he got his legs under him, he would be an extremely impactful stretch five. Um, that would really open things up offensively. Uh, obviously, he's not much of a you know defensive stalwart. He's not going to protect the rim at a super elite level. Um, you know, the Lakers defense has has markedly suffered, n- notably suffered uh, in the absence of Anthony Davis. But I, I do have to commend Thomas Bryant because at the end of the day, uh, shout out to Dennis Schroeder. Um, at the end of the day, a minimum player, a minimum contract player is not supposed to provide 15 and 12 in the absence of your superstar, right. you know, top five player in Anthony Day. Like, not supposed to do that. So I, I think he's playing above his pay grade for sure. So I think that was a really quality signing by the Lakers. Um, commend everyone involved in that one. And I, I hope he continues to play at this level. I think he can because I don't think he's doing anything like insanely unsustainable. Like, do you remember the, the Julius Randle all-star year? And he's, Julius Randle's been solid this year. He's been mm-hmm. much better than last year. Yeah, yes. Like Julius Randle during that All-Star campaign was doing things that was just like Julius Randle has never been able to do this. Like he's hitting fadeaway threes over two defenders routinely 
And, and it, you just knew in the back of your head, there's no way he can keep doing this because I've never seen Julius Randle do this. He's never been able to. Mm-hmm. Thomas yeah. Bryant, when I, when I watch Thomas Bryant play, I'm seeing him do things that he's always been able to do. You know, he's very efficient around the rim. He can make open corner threes. He's really good about putting himself offensively in the correct position. Uh, he fills lanes really well alongside LeBron, uh, alongside he's, Russell Westbrook. He's fast. He's, he's like deceptively very quick. Yeah. Um, so I think everything he does offensively feels sustainable because he's not doing anything that's like beyond what we knew his skill set was. This was the guy he was in Washington before he tore his ACL. Yeah. So I, I think it's very sustainable. And I think uh, like that, that is partially what's helping keep the Lakers afloat here is that he is sustainably playing extremely well. Um, I hope he can, I, you know, I hope he keeps it up. I think he can keep it up uh, because the Lakers are going to need every bit of it, especially if LeBron stops at some point making like 75% of his twos. <laughs> you know, ironically, Tom, Thomas Bryant is minus 4.1 in net rating over the last 10 games without Anthony Davis. But I don't put that on top. I think that's more of a symptom of he's playing a lot of minutes with the the small guards, right, with your, your Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly together. When all the advanced stats show that those those lineups are just yeah. not working as well, I don't put that on on Thomas Bryant. Also, the Lakers are just a net negative team. Like <laughs> outside of LeBron and Austin Reeves, I think, and I, I honestly don't even know if Austin Reeves is a positive. I'm just assuming he is because the one yes. thing him and Caruso do share is they are net net rating kings. Um, it's but- uh, it's uh. <laughs> This might all right. So it's LeBron uh, of the players who have played like meaningful. Like JTA is a is a plus twelve point one, but that's in a tiny sample size because yeah. he only played three games. Uh, LeBron is a, a net rating of seven over the last ten games. Mm-hmm. Austin Reeves is four point eight. There's someone between those two sitting at five point three. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm. I feel like it's going to be someone super random that makes no Troy Brown. Uh, Troy Tony Brown Jr. is a good guess, but that he he is a positive, but it's not him. Wow, it's not Troy Brown. It is not. Is it Patrick Beverly? Like, is have we fallen so far? No, Patrick Beverly is a minus eleven point nine. Oh, good. So some things are right in the world. <laughs> so. I mean, but he's actually been shooting the ball well. Pat has. I, I still think. I think it's just the, it's the small lineups that are killing them. It's him and Dennis together are. It's, are it's so bad. Everyone knows. Everyone knows it. I think Darvin Ham even knows it. I just think there's a certain level of off-season promises that mm-hmm. were given to certain guys. Um, but I think everyone with eyes knows that that they are atrocious together. Um, yeah. So it's, who is you, it? You won't get it. It's it's Russell Westbrook. No. Yep. Wow. Good for him for being in, in right? the net positive. Right. He, look, he, he is another net positive year. guy. He's, he's been much better than last year overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's like we we had some talks we've done you know shows like this before where we actually broke down the stats and it like turns out he's actually not as like he's just as bad as he was last year but you know what sometimes stats lie because I watch these games and Russell Westbrook has is playing better than last year he he absolutely is most certainly like I know the stats don't really tell that story a lot but but that he is for sure playing better so credit to him but yeah I, I think you know, the question of is 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 this sustainable? 500 basketball without Anthony Davis, Thomas Bryant putting up 15 and 12, LeBron putting up 
35, seven and eight or whatever it is. I'm just, I just, those are always his rebound and assist mm-hmm. numbers. I'm just assuming that's what they are now too. Um, the, you know, are all these things sustainable? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, they have a really tough January. Have you looked ahead? Yeah, it's uh, it's an it's insane a, January. It, it feels like there's just there isn't much of a okay. This stretch is good. It's just this stretch is bad, and this stretch is way worse. So, so I had a conversation today with uh, with Eric Pincus. Um, we were like breaking down the schedule, and he was saying that he was confused as to how the Lakers technically have the hardest strength of schedule up to this point. Yeah. And they also have one of the hardest strengths of schedule the rest of the year. Yeah, right. And he was saying, like, that makes no sense. And I, I broke it down. January, the Lakers play for, from now until January 31st. The Lakers play two teams that are currently below 500. They play like 15 that are above. <laughs> yeah. But well, in and, March, it flips. And part of that, I haven't looked to see who the other, like, there's a handful of teams that you only play that are in the West that you only play three times. Um. OKC and Houston are two teams that the Lakers only see three times instead of four this year. Yeah. So like those are like that. If you were to say, I mean, obviously non-Pacific division team. So if it was Denver and Dallas that you were only playing three times and you played Houston and OKC four times, like swapping out two Denver and Dallas games for OKC and Houston games, that that swings your strength of schedule a little bit. So yeah. I mean, there's there's Although that too. You probably don't been. want to take Denver out because that seems to be the only good team the Lakers can beat. Fair, <laughs> fair, but but yeah, I mean that's but that's something that that pops up too, where just they they lose a couple of games against some yeah. you know, lower level teams because of just the the luck of the draw of the schedule this year. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, it really doesn't feel like there's been any part of the Lakers schedule where you've got okay, they've got they get a little bit of a breather here. It's been a random game here and there, but most most of the schedule, it's been oh man, they've got it. Oh my, oh my gosh, wait, they've got this coming. Oh my god, what's coming up after that? It's it's <laughs> it just been stops. nonstop. Yeah, and you know, this is this is what I was talking about the Western Conference. Like the Western Conference is currently a conference where the reigning NBA champions are ninth, and I yeah. know Steph's been hurt. I get it. They've had injuries on injuries. Um, Clay has been inconsistent. Like he's been amazing some nights, putting up fifty four the other night but then other nights has looked like something akin to washed. Uh, so like they've had their issues, but they're, they're ninth. They just won an NBA championship very recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not, not six months ago where they hoisting the Larry O'Brien and now they're ninth. This is a tough conference. This is a brutal conference that has very few nights off. I mean, take a look, take a look at the Boston Celtics tonight who, who received 56 combined points from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and lost by 33 to an SGA list. OKC. You know, the the response from Lakers fans on social media on that. What was it? Was the Celtics hate the Lakers so much that they dropped this game just to make sure the Lakers wouldn't move ahead of the thunder in the the West (laughs) for the 12 seed. If the Celtics are that level of petty, I mean, look, they can afford it. They're twenty six and twelve. They mm-hmm. are uh, they're atop the East right now. They're, uh, I mean, Brooklyn and Milwaukee and Cleveland are right there with them. But like, they're they're atop the East. They can afford it. But that that would be a an, a new level of petty. Something that I feel like would only be reserved for like nineteen eighty three. Like, yeah, I feel like we're beyond those days of pettiness <laughs> in the NBA. For better or for worse. For better yeah. or for worse. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. But. 
Man, Ron, you know, when we started the show, I said, well, maybe we'll go 20, which means we'll probably wind up going 30 minutes for the show. Here we are, 40 plus minutes into the show. This is what happens when you and I get together and start talking so, Lakers basketball. This is what we do best. <laughs> always so much to break down, especially from the team building perspective and trying to figure out the trade front and all that. So that's why I enjoy having you come on here. But but Ron, thank you so much for for hopping on here. We'll we'll pause our conversation here to be continued another day, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. It's uh Lakers got some some interesting games this week. Uh, let me see. I think they have Atlanta. They have Sacramento. No, they have yeah. They have Miami, Atlanta, and Sacramento as their next three. You know, uh, let's mess around and go two and one. That'd be great. That'd be let's great. Let's let's do it. Let let's figure out some way to get that done. Maybe LeBron <laughs> um, levitating baseline fadeaway jumpers. We can uh, can get the job done off of yeah. one leg. Maybe LeBron joins the uh, the party of absolutely historic scoring we're seeing across the nba and puts up 63 against jimmy butler's miami heat let's go let's let's do it (laughs) i i am here for it uh give us all of that fun in a season that hasn't featured nearly enough of it but lakers nation give us your thoughts in the comments down below if you are over on the podcast version of this make sure you are subscribing over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you listen to podcasts thank you everybody till next time see ya and stay safe